Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going back. New episode of The Call-Up, and we are going to be talking about pitching prospects. Very open-ended because there's a lot to unpack here. I'm Arm Layton, he's Jack McMullen, and of course, this is your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. Jack will be like wondering if I don't say it. Uh, This is an interesting conversation. This was one that, (laughs) this is kind of brutal to say out loud, but you and I were about to like fully talk about this i don't remember if we were in the car if we were in the lobby or wherever we were doing and you know all-star week in seattle and we almost put a pause on the conversation we're like let's just like talk about this on the podcast which is kind of brutal because like we should we could do both but i'm glad we did because i think there's a lot of things that are just going to kind of come out of this conversation uh that just going back and forth about what the state is of pitching prospects, uh, where we're at in terms of pitcher evaluation. Now that we have a draft that just happened, now that we have a lot of updated top 100 lists, now that we're in the process of updating our top 100 lists. So there's a lot of stream of consciousness and, and important topics that I'm just kind of excited to bounce back and forth with on you or with you. Yeah, no, it's like it's a unique conversation because. I think the overall talent level of pitchers in minor league baseball has never been better, but the execution you could argue is like worse than it has been in recent memory. Like obviously there are some guys that are going to be walking, you know, two guys per nine, but there are way more pen arms and starting pitchers that are walking like five and a half, six guys per nine. Kyle Harrison is a confirmed top 100 guy that is walking seven and a half hitters per nine. And it's like, what are we doing with pitching that? But again, Kyle Harrison is left side, high nineties, crazy, crazy changeup. Like I, I, I don't know, man, it's pitching is good. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of talent, but this feels like a bad class of pitching. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to just kind of like talk through how many pitchers are going to be the top 100, which pitchers are going to be the top 100. Like there's a flaw with every pitching prospect in baseball right now. And unfortunately for probably the best one, it's availability in Andrew Painter, which we'll get to in a moment. I've got two non-baseball things off the top though, that just sure. popped into my mind. And I feel like you'll ID, you'll identify with one of them. Um, are you going to do the Barbenheimer thing? Are you going to do Barbie and Oppenheimer same day? No, I just, I'll just watch Oppenheimer. Okay, so I'm going to go see Barbie, I think, Saturday morning, and then I'm going to go see Oppenheimer Monday night. Um, so that, that was my question. Are you going to do both? Second one, I was at a coffee shop this morning, and they were playing the Beatles, like, you know, three, four songs in a row of the Beatles. I think the Beatles are the most overrated band oh, in the history of music. 
why do you do this in the front end of a podcast where like we're about to talk about something where we want people to hang on and listen to us and you just drop a take that could like scare people off because i have a problem yeah <laughs> i don't have a take on that i don't even know what good music is in comparison to that like i i God. can't i can't comment on that but i'd i'd say that the amount of money they've made and um the amount of albums they've sold like i don't know how could they not be one of the best <laughs> whatever man <laughs> thanks for not hey, you got those off your chest. Pitching. yeah i needed to so Back to the, to the pitching side of things. <laughs> here's, here's my thing. And the reason why I wanted to have this conversation is you have kind of a spot here where there's a lot of, of pitching prospects that I think are right on the outside of the top 100. And then a lot of the top 100 arms are either fast track to the big leagues or hurt. And I look at our top 100 list as we're updating it. And this episode is going to kind of clue you in a little bit of where we have these pitchers stacked up and kind of be a little bit of a teaser to the pitching side of the top 100 list. I try to rank it. And I think like we try to rank it on trade value. Like I, how, if I were a general manager, which guys would I want and kind of in what order? Otherwise, what are we really ranking here? Right. We reference the rankings for, you know, when a guy gets traded, uh, when a guy gets called up, all that good stuff. For me, if you're not ranking it based on what you think teams are valuing these prospects at and, and, and where these, or at least where you would value these prospects at, you know, kind of what are you ranking? So that's kind of the first step of it is, is what are we ranking here? And then two is, you know, why are there so few arms on this list? Well, one, I, I think, if I'm a if I'm trading a superstar, if I'm trading Juan Soto, I don't want that many arms. I, I want position players coming back because of the volatility of arms. So doesn't that kind of already tell you something about you know where we may value a lot of these arms? And then you look at where a lot of these guys are. You know, I'll take you through some of the top pitching prospects on our list. Paul Skeens, of course, just was drafted number one overall. College. Andy Painter hurt. Jacob Mizorowski, everyone is saying is going to get hurt, but is not hurt right now. And it's stuff over command. Cade Horton has been paused because he's on an innings restriction to not get hurt. Jackson Job just came off the IL. Uh, Mick Abel can't throw strikes consistently. Then you have Brian Wu, who just graduated, skipped AAA, which is another topic we'll talk about. Tiedemann hurt. Gavin Stone got up and struggled. That's one of the exceptions, I guess. Noah Schultz kind of just quickly just started become a guy and then it's recently drafted guy recently drafted guy kyle harrison like th this is a no particular order necessarily but maybe a little bit in order uh and then aj smith shaver like it, these are guys that have like come up struggled and come back down it's interesting because i feel like it's either a guy that is just emerging that you have shoved onto lists and then they get fast tracked to the big leagues and then graduate or yeah. it's a guy that's hurt and then we got to try to figure out how to figure out how to like value a hurt guy, Mason Miller, another top 100 arm who is hurt. It's just a weird, it's a weird thing to try to value here. And it's why if I was a general manager, I would not really want to trade for pitching prospects very often. I draft them, sure, but it's it's a very unique uh, kind of conundrum, I think, for for front offices to deal with. It's just weird, man. And I think that Smith Shaver and Mizorowski are two really good examples of guys that have been available the entire year. Um, I think another one that that you didn't mention because he's well graduated at this point is Andrew Abbott. Like the moment Abbott started to look like a top 100 arm, he was a Cincinnati red. Yep. Like that 
that's the thing. Mizorowski was who is that guy in low A? And now he's already in double after lighting the futures game on fire for an inning. AJ Smith Schaffer was what a low to mid fours ERA guy in low A last year. Yep. And he's got three big league starts under his belt already. So I like that the best pitchings, the best pitchers in, in minor league baseball are getting to the major leagues like the year that they are good. I think we were looking at Andrew Painter as a guy that could have broken camp if he was fully healthy yep. this year. And that is a 19 year old. Um, so I, I appreciate the rocket ship that they can be knowing that there's a lot less of an acclimation process needed for pitchers than there is hitters. But yeah, like the guys that have stuck around in minor league baseball and have been pitching consistently are the flawed ones. Like they're, they're the guys that have shown us enough to not be top 100 guys. I think about DL hall in that light, like DL hall top 100 guy in 21 in 22, probably coming into 23. And now it's like, this guy hasn't thrown strikes yeah. at any point. So he's not a top 100 guy. Yeah. DL Hall is a perfect example of that, right? If if the guy's good enough quickly, they're graduating just so much faster now because they don't want to waste bullets in the minor leagues. And then if they are struggling and they're on the prospect list for a while, then they go stale because if you didn't graduate, you're probably struggling. So it's like this weird in-between range where if you don't update your prospect lists quickly, those guys are going to graduate before you can even update their ranking. And that's the craziest part. We were having conversations. I also forgot to mention Tink Hens severely restricted oh, yeah. on innings as well. Yeah. Uh, so we don't get to fully, fully see what he can do when stretched out. But we already have seen enough stuff wise. How It feels like yesterday you and I are talking about Jacob Mizorowski. And I'm I'm kind of hyping him up to you saying, dude, this stuff is nuts. Uh, he, he's a little ways away. But this guy could be a top 100 dude based on the stuff. It used to be you got to get outs in high A, you got to show that you can you know, go five, six innings, and that's a top 100 arm. It's just not like that anymore because you're going to have to be able to identify who those top 100 arms are before they get stretched out. And odds are you're only going to get a couple starts in high A and low A because they don't want to waste the bullets down there. And again, I get it, but it really changes the whole aspect of the, the prospect evaluation side of things. For example, Paul Skeens, he might not be on on prospect lists after midseason of 2024. So like yeah, he'll be off them so. real quick. So it's it's this weird in-between kind of thing that we're dealing with here. And that's why I feel like while there's still a ton of arms and a ton of talented arms, you may not see them showing up on prospect lists as much. And I don't know if that's if that should coincide with how we think teams are valuing prospect arms, or if it's more so just the timing of things now, because Yuri Perez, that's the number one pitching prospect in baseball. Him and, and Andy Painter were in lockstep, I think, going into yeah. this year. Similar rankings, similar profiles, similar bodies of work. And Yuri's now graduated by our standards. Uh, and Andy Painter is dropping down because he's undergoing Tommy John surgery, which I'm just glad we finally have clarity on that. And I'm looking forward to him. You know, getting so can I tell you, I'm pissed that it took this long because now we're going to be robbed of probably an entire year of Andrew Painter next year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I assume that, you know, people that know a lot more about it than us thought that that was the best course of action. But, you know, clearly it, it just wasted some time. That does stink. And that's the interesting thing. So how do you rank an Andrew Painter now? Because in terms of pure arm talent, you can make the cases better than Paul Skeens. But yeah. 
if you if we're ranking it based on on trade value, what's Andrew Painter's trade value? It's Tommy John surgery, and this thing now we become doctors. Like if it's a shoulder, I'm dropping you more. If it's an elbow, I'm not dropping you as much. I'm not a doctor, but I I know the percentages there, and 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 everybody does. But again, like it just it, there's so many things that go into this now that just don't. I didn't feel like used to be a consideration, but it's interesting. Like Andrew Painter is going to miss almost as much time as Espino if Espino comes back at some point, but Espino will probably yeah. end up missing more time, but just for the sake of argument here, but Espino's fully off lists and Painter's not because again, it's based on the type of injury as well. Right. That's a crazy part too. Like we're, 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 we're basing rankings on diagnostics of, of injuries. You don't do that with hitters really, unless it's something, you know, really catastrophic. I mean, we saw Royce Lewis continuously on the top 50, even after he tore his ACL for the second time, it's just yeah. different. So I guess my question to you is like, where do you see pitching prospects in, at least in our side of it? On, uh, like let's unpack that first yeah. on the media side, top prospect lists. Do you think it's better for less arms to be represented on the top 100 list because of, you know, just how fluid it is? I think so. And I also think, you know, like there are guys that I want to see on lists. And I, I my thing is, I like seeing the guys that have proved success at the minor league level. And speaking to your point a little bit earlier, like guys don't really have the opportunity to do that. I can I can probably stick on one hand the number of guys that like will be on a top 100 list as a pitcher because of just sheer success this year. I think Jared Jones with the Pirates is probably one of those guys. Yeah. But think about it. Jones was like, I mean, borderline a head case in, in high A last year and low in high A last year. And, and now he's dominated in double and he's gotten up to triple and gone through some growing pains. But the moment he looks good for two starts, He's probably in the Pirates rotation. So, like, there's really nobody that's a top 100 arm on merit. And that's why I think that there should be way more bats than there are arms. I don't like that we've gotten to that point. I would love to see a top 100 prospect because of merit. I would love to see, hey, this guy had a 1-8 this past year. This guy had a 2-3, but had a, you know, 8-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Like, those are the type of top 100 arms that I like looking at. And I think that the last of that bunch was honestly Grayson Rodriguez. Yep. I think that G-Rod was that guy that was dominating from level to level being a high school draftee. And he was there because of success at each level and accumulation of good pitching stats. And oh, by the way, he had great stuff. Yeah. I think that guy is gone, pretty much extinct. And I don't like that at all. It's tough. And and I, I understand why, again, a, a big part of it is, you know, you, you don't want to waste those bullets and you see the injuries out there and, it's interesting because you have like the the Drew Thorpe's of the world. Who Drew Thorpe's got the body of work, but the MLB teams know, and it's clear now too. Like Jacob Mizrowski has a better chance of translating into a a big league starter and you know getting outs at that level consistently than Drew Thorpe because everyone wants to talk about how good uh, pitchers are nowadays and how hard it is to hit, but yeah. hitters are getting so damn good that you need this crazy stuff to consistently get outs at the big league level. So, you know, that's why we're looking for the stuff over command guys. And Drew Thorpe with the Yankees just continues to churn out great starts, but he's a college arm at high A. You know, we'll see how he does in double. And it's just one of those examples. Like, that's not a guy you're going to see on top 100 lists because the stuff may not, you know, point towards middle of the rotation starter at the big leagues. You're, you're hoping for a back end starter. And that's not a top 100 prospect. So it's yes. this interesting, you know, kind of, 
dichotomy here. But the other side of it is Brian Wu, guy I really liked coming into the year, guy I really liked early in the year. Um, we, we didn't quite make the top 100 list going into the season. Was poised to be in the top 40 to 45 on our rankings in the update. And I was ready to do that. I've been working on this update for over a month, have his write-up done and everything. He's you know, at double A, goes straight to the big leagues, and now he's already graduated before we put the top 100 list out. Maybe part of that's my fault, not getting it out quick enough. But that just kind of shows you again, if, if you're good, if you're looking good enough to be a top 20 pitching prospect, you're probably going to graduate very quickly. And that's exactly yeah. what we're seeing. Uh, and if you're not graduating, it's because you're hurt. Or you're yes. on an innings limit. And and that like I want to circle back to just like the top arms. Yeah. Who are off the top of your head, like who are the th- two or three arms you're taking, you know, over anybody right now in the minor leagues? Paul Skeens. Um probably still painter. Like you're still taking painter over those guys. Like are like would you rather take painter and wait a year and a half? Or take Tink Hens. I'd rather take Painter and wait a year. Isn't that crazy? So that should show you also where we value him. Like I see people dropping Painter way down the top 100 list because he's out for the next year and change. Yeah, but but he's like 19 years old. I agree. Like he, he he's somebody I'm still taking over a lot of these arms. Like and, and those arms may may end up having Tommy John surgery, and they have their their delay later on. For me, it's like a delay at this point more than than anything else. Here's the thing. I've seen Painter go six shutout as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old. Have we seen Tink Hens throw six innings yet? I don't think we've seen six yet. I don't think so. Like, And what do you want from a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball? Let's think about this. Like, Do you want four innings of one hit ball? I don't. I want six innings of one run ball. And so that's the interesting thing when we circle back to like the, the Skeens conversation uh, of the one, one pick. There's two sides to this. I think one is pitchers like Skeens are so hard to find big durable. For, so we think so far, you know, yeah. body of work deep into starts proof of, of success already. I know it's not professionally, but like it's going to translate, but at the same time, I always talk about how I'm not taking a pitcher one, one, but maybe you can get the rare version of a pitcher one, one. And that's what the pirates did. I know you're warming up to that pick more and more. As you look at the state of pitching prospects in general, do you feel like Paul Skeens can be the exception to the rule that we have seen here, which is, you know, guys either end up getting hurt or, you know, end up just getting fast tracked and kind of struggling at the big leagues, but they'd rather have you struggle at the big leagues than waste bullets down, you know, in the minor leagues. Like Skeens feels like he's the exception to to both of those things. And that's why the Pirates said, let's let's snag this guy besides the money side of things. But that that was a big reason why. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think the reason that I, I'm warming to the Skeens pick is yes, because I, I think he bucks the trend of like the three innings of pitching ninja type stuff that that we see from Tink Henson. You know, Mizorowski at this point, I think Mizorowski can can get stretched out. I think Tink can get stretched out, too. It's just those organizations have not done it. I, I think I'm warming the Skeens pick because, you know, we've seen this guy throw 120, 130 pitches in an outing. Um, and, and to your point, like, I think this is the kind of guy if he were to make 
one start of the complex that went two innings and then get the call up to Pittsburgh. Like if he did not go to an affiliate at all, I think this guy wouldn't get blown into oblivion. I think that it's a, a sink or swim thing. When you see Skeens, I see Hunter Green with uh, probably like a comparable slider because Green slider is awesome and a better changeup. Um, the concern that has been very well documented is fastball shape, but like you mentioned it, like a hundred's a hundred, dude. Like one, if you're hitting one hundred two and you're, yeah, like if you're commanding one hundred one um, on your one hundred and fifteenth pitch of the night, like you're doing that. No, and nobody else really does that. So. I don't know. I think this guy is very talented. I think that he has as much talent as any other pitching prospect in baseball, but I think that his floor is so much higher than everybody else because we've seen him throw nine innings because we've seen him throw eight innings. I understand that it's college, but like has Mizorowski thrown nine innings in junior college. I'm not sure. I don't know. We didn't see it. I just saw a 21 year old do it this year. I think that's why I, I view schemes in a different light. Um, he went seven and two thirds against Jefferson College. Uh, oh, Jeffco in Missouri. Mark Burley's alma mater. Jeff yeah, Coe. struck out eighteen. <laughs> How about that for Mizarowski? I mean, dude, those poor <laughs> those poor JUCO hitters. Dude, imagine they're looking at like they're looking at Slenderman with the long ass. He looks like Flat Stanley, honestly. And just seeing that dude like with that delivery, you're like, wow, I'm in for a shit afternoon. It, and it's it's funny though because like that's a guy that kind of still flew under the radar in the drafts, uh, and, and also like you know, I think a few years ago, at this point, still wouldn't be considered a top 100 prospect, or maybe like would be a, a fringe top 100 guy, but wouldn't be considered one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. So looking at it now, and I'm looking at you know you look at some of the other rankings like Baseball America's yeah, top 100 update and and others, yeah, there's like. Depending on what you look at, there's not going to be more than five arms, really five, six max in the, in the, in top, the top in 50. the top in the top fifty. That I think kind of says a lot in itself. But again, I kind of pivot back to it. How, like, I could I, we could play a game where I go through every single position player and tell you to stop me before you know you would take Tank Hens over them. And I think we could get through a lot of pitchers or a lot of hitters. Excuse me. I think we get through 40. <laughs> that many. Yeah. It's like, that would be a game that takes a long time. Um, I, I don't know. Like you say, you know, five or six in the top 50, how many in the top 30? One, one or two. And, and one of them's out for the year. Like, so so he, without going in circles too much, here, here's yeah. my next question. If if that's the state of, of pitching prospects, it's still relative because you need pitchers. And yeah. there's still guys coming up and succeeding. But It's half your roster. It's half your roster. So do we then push up pitching prospects that, you know, maybe aren't quite as good as, you know, others that had been ranked in the top 50 in the past? Or is it just one of those things where we're just not really seeing that many pitching prospects on the top 100? It becomes a very hitting centric thing. And you almost have like your separate list of top 20 pitching prospects in the game. And 10 of those guys aren't even on the top 100 list. Yeah, I, I think we just chalk this up as a bad year for pitchers. And I think that you but have do you a think ton this of hitters. Turns around. You don't think this is a trend of where we're heading in no. just the world of, of pitching prospects? 
I think it's cyclical. Like, look at all the rookie arms this year. Like, G-Rod consensus top 10 heading into the year. Um, and, and then you've got, you know, all these other excellent pitchers that have made their debut so far. You think about the two Mariners and Wu and Bryce Miller. I think about Andrew Abbott. Um, I'm just, like, working off the dome. Yuri Perez, like... I don't know. I, I think that there have been golden ages of pitching prospects, and we were obsessed with the pitching prospects on the end of year top 100 last year. So I think that this is cyclical. I think we just chalk this up as a bad year and see if it changes. But if this is a fundamental industry-wide thing, and this is a baseball movement, um, then, then I think we got to embrace the new reality. But I don't think that we can push a guy up for the sake of pushing him up. Like, Oh, we need a pitcher here. I no, think if I agree. You I think agree. that a hitter that's is more valuable. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's why I'm having, the, I, I love that we're having this conversation because it kind of peels back the curtain on the top 100 process here. And the funny thing is, I feel like a lot of the arms that end up getting overlooked end up being quality starters too. That probably should have been top 100 guys. So you'll get like yeah. a Logan Allen. A lot of people didn't have him in the top 100. Uh, a lot of people didn't even think he'd, a lot of people have him in the top 10 in, in the Guardians. How about a Bybee, man? I didn't even mention the Guardians. Gavin Williams, Tanner Bybee. Like, a Tanner Bybee is going to be a big league starting pitcher for a decade. Yeah. And he was not a consensus top 100 arm. Yeah, we had him up there. But but again, like, quickly, quickly moved. So yeah. I think the one thing that's going to kind of change is that they're just not going to be on the lists that long. So what what you're going to need to find is is be able to identify these guys at the lower levels um, and and – they're probably mostly going to be in the back end of the top 100, get shoved up to the top real quick when they prove that they can succeed in the big leagues, and they graduate like an Andrew Abbott. Uh, yep. And I think that's kind of the state of of where we're at in this in this industry, and when it comes to pitcher evaluation. But I, I do think that there's going to be a world where you know you have a little bit more pitching depth and guys that start through the lower levels and climb and climb and climb, especially with the, these high school guys. That at the end of the day, they're not going to fast track them too much. But there is that level of hey, guys are just not going to spend as much time in the minors anymore. And I think that's a big part of it. You have a combination of guys not spending as much time in the minors and guys getting hurt that I think is is going to keep pitching prospects kind of lesser you know, on these lists no matter what, even if it is cyclical. Yeah. Uh, but at the other side of it, you have guys like Bobby Miller that – threw plenty in the minor leagues and just, you know, continue to get better in the big leagues and, and, and spent plenty of time in triple. So I think it'll be case by case, but I, I get it. I'd be nervous having my pitchers waste bullets in the minors too. I absolutely would. And that's think why I saw Oakland fast track Mason Miller, knowing that he has a lot of red flags health wise. He's hurt right now, but at least he got to make 20 or four starts, 21 innings at the big league level. And you could see that that guy can get outs there. So now when he's healthy, no need to have him anywhere other than the big leagues, but you know, could you imagine if he threw those four starts in the minors and then got hurt again? We wouldn't even know for sure, you know, if he's a guy that can perform at the big league level just yet. Now we know right. that. And now the focus is let's keep him healthy, but we don't need to to find out if he can pitch at the big league level. So I think it's they'd rather sink or swim at the big leagues, have more clarity, and then see what happens. Like AJ Smith Shaver, who that guy was fast tracked like none other, and that's the Braves MO, clearly wasn't ready for the big leagues at all. I don't think he, I thought he was barely ready for triple A. But you got your answer, and now he can work on things in triple, I guess. Be, well, you run into a smith Shaver scenario, but then you also run into a Sheehan scenario where Sheehan had a great start in double, and Sheehan immediately looks serviceable at the big league level. And I know that he's run into some blips in the radar, but just watch Sheehan make a start, and you say, okay, that's a big league starter. With like that unique arm slot, that kind of stuff coming out of that arm, 
Um, I, I think Sheehan is like almost the other example. And I know that Sheehan is a college guy and Smith Chauver was a high school guy and Smith Chauver's what, two years younger than Sheehan at this yeah. point, but maybe more. Um, maybe more, maybe three years younger th- than Sheehan. But I, I think that's what everybody's hoping for. Like you have this breakout and double and then you just go Brian Wu. It, it was a breakout. Like you're, you were looking at some of the underlying data. You were looking at the pitch data. But this year he was having a breakout and double. Okay, go. Like, let's see what we got. Um, and, and I think that we're going to get more heat checks in terms of promotions and call-ups than we really ever have. Um, also, before this like leaves my mind, I'm also thinking about it in terms of like the card market as well, because you know uh, that was no, a very that's, difficult that's a, thing. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah, like it, it was it was a very difficult thing for me to wrap my head around. And it still is a difficult thing for me to wrap my head around because I am pitching biased. And I always need you to talk me down from like these pitcher cards because it's like, <laughs> dude, it's so volatile. And I'm like, OK, but I love this guy. And then you see Andrew Painter who looks foolproof. And now he's got TJ and he's going to miss two years. So I, I don't know. I think you can almost look at it from, from the card market perspective as well, where it's like, who who would you rather have, you know, the, you know, fifth best hitter in the Rangers system or the second best pitcher in the Rangers system. And I think it's funny, you know, for those that aren't involved in the card market, the reason why Jack brings up that, that great point is that guess what? Most pitcher cards are discounted pretty significantly. I mean, like if you have a, one of the best pitching prospects in baseball versus you know, one of the best hitting prospects in baseball, you're, you're talking about cards that are probably 10 times apart from each other. Yeah. And that's the craziest part, but, but I get it, right? Like you'd way rather have the Ellie De La Cruz than, you know, the, the Paul Skeens card that doesn't exist yet. Like it's just, it's the nature of the beast because people don't want to invest their hard earned money in something that volatile. And, and it's, Kind of the same thing with GMs at this point, uh, unless you really, 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 really like the arm. And for the special, special arms, you'll you'll see that those prices will, will be up. I think Skeens will end up being one of those pitchers that kind of bucks the trend, ironically. Uh, but yeah. again, like Andrew Painter, you, you, you're sitting on that. Well, some of the first <laughs> pitcher cards I bought was Sandy Alcantara, which that's its own kind of funny conversation, and Sixto Sanchez. Yes. Uh, and and I, I sold the, most of the Sixtos, thank goodness. But I have a Sixto Sanchez Bowman Chrome Auto right now, I probably couldn't give that away. Like yeah. it, it, it might as well be a chew toy for my dog. So it, it's just like one of those things where it's just, it just shows you how quick things can go the other way. Because there was a point in time where Marlins fans probably would say, I wouldn't trade that guy for two top 100 prospects. When he was coming up in 2020, they yeah. probably wouldn't have traded him for anybody. And now they can't give him away. He, he can't right. even throw from, from 100 feet. So the last thing I want to talk about on the on the pitching side before we wrap up with just some trends in the minor leagues and some things that you saw recently, uh, we can talk about Ben Brown, uh, another arm that top 100 type guy quickly, quickly got up to the to AAA, but kind of a different outlook, kind of a guy that's you're going to have more of a body of work under his belt, which is nice. But you look at some of the top performers in the minor leagues right now, and a lot of them are not top, top dudes. And it shows you how much more we're looking at the stuff than the numbers because of how much more it matters nowadays. Because we're really looking at, can these guys translate to the big leagues and not, you know, how are they performing in the minors? Again, a big reason why is, you know, Kyle Harrison is by a lot of evaluators still considered a top three pitching prospect in baseball. I'll spoil it for you guys. Like I I'm a little bit cooler on him and I think he's going to be lower on our list than a lot of others. 
I just can't get behind seven walks per nine. I know he's 21. I know that he's striking out 15 per nine, but I just can't get behind that. And that's just kind of where I'm at. But you look at some of the guys with the highest strikeout rates in the minor leagues with a minimum of 40 innings pitched. John McMillan, 25-year-old, 46 That's kind of my name. Sorry? That's kind of my name. Yeah. John it's almost your name. John McMullen. <laughs> um, Andrew Abbott, he's gone. Emmett Sheehan, he's gone. He's up at the big leagues. Kyle Hurt, no one's really ranking this guy as a top prospect, but he comes in at fourth in strikeout rate. Jack Neely, he's with the Yankees, 40% K rate. I haven't seen him on one list. Liam Norris, 38% K rate. You seen that guy on one list? I haven't. No. Um, because these guys, you can get outs and strike out a lot of dudes in the minor leagues and not have stuff that translates to the big leagues. So, like, that's another wrinkle on it. You got to scroll all the way to Kyle Harrison and maybe Connor Phillips, if, if people consider him a top 100 guy, 37% K rate. He's 11th. Kyle Harrison is 12th in the minors among those qualified pitchers and strikeout rate. You got to get to him to to kind of find a guy that's not in the big leagues that's a top 100 arm, and he's walking 17% of batters. Then from there, you got to go to Mizorowski, who's walking 13% of batters. And then from there, you got to go to Cade Horton, who is shut down. And then you finally get Chase Hampton, who's like this breath of fresh air, who came out of nowhere with the Yankees to now be like pretty much a consensus top 100 prospect. Sixth round pick in 2022. Not even 22 years old yet has absolutely been carving through high A and double A in his first pro season. But that's kind of my point too, is there's so many talented pitchers out there that I feel like you can almost play the percentages and, and just take some middle round arms. If you really ID these guys well and end up kind of turning out a lot of top 100 talents that way too. Cause that's kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about is look at a lot of these top prospects that we have right now, pitching wise. How many of them were first round picks? Not as many as you'd think. Not as many as you'd think. Um, you know who does a great job with this is Cleveland. Uh, and I, I think Cleveland is probably the best example of this because Gavin Williams was their first round pick. Bybee was a fifth round college senior, right? Fourth mm-hmm. round college senior. Yep. Um, Logan Allen was comp B or something like he was not a, you know, bona fide, like best pitcher in the class. Tanner Burns was not a bona fide best pitcher in the class. And then they have so many guys that are performing pretty well at the lower level. Cantillo was a trade and Cantillo is not a first round pick by any stretch. Will Dion, another guy that's having another great year. Like he, none of these guys were bona fide stars in college or in high school. No, like, you know, you can look organization by organization. And I think Cleveland is probably the best way to look at it. And, you know, the, the Dodgers are another good way to look at that, too. Like Gavin Stone was fifth round out of central Arkansas in 2020. Yeah. Miller was out of the first round. Uh, Sheehan. Yep. Um, but I, I think, you know, if you just went like first round by first round by first round, you're not going to find very many star pitchers taken in the first round. No, I mean, it's it's pretty split. And so, and I think that's an interesting side of it too, you know, is yeah, you got, you got the Gavin Williams of the world. You've got, you know, the, the painters of the world, but even, yeah, even then, like from there, I, I think it's really interesting because you, you look at a lot of these other arms, like Tink Hens, not a first round pick. Mizorowski, not a first round pick. Those are arguably two of the, the top four pitching prospects in the game. Of course, you've got Horton, 
but he was a big time under slot at seven and just a guy that was that had crazy helium in the 11th hour. Um, so it, it's really interesting from that lens too. And then will, of course, not even near, I think it was like a seventh round pick. Uh, so it's fun Let, and it's an, it's an interesting approach. And I think there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but even Kyle Harrison, again, another guy, not, not a first round pick. How would you approach it to wrap up this side of it? And then let's talk about, you know, some, some performers of late. How would you approach drafting slash trading for pitching prospects? For me, I would trade for arms that we ID and like, you know, under the radar type moves and, you know, like Cantillo is part of a larger package, things like that. But how yeah. would you approach arms in the draft if you were, you know, uh, in charge of drafting or a general manager? Yeah. So I'm almost, <laughs> I'm almost never taking a high school arm. Honest to God, I'm almost never taking a high school arm. There's so much variability that comes with that. Um, if I have my pick of the litter, I'm going to get a guy that has thrown 100 plus innings in college. And, and as some people look at it, look at that as a negative because of tread on the tire. Don't care. Don't I, I want a guy that has proved that he can pitch consistently. And, and that Skeens, Rhett Louder was a guy that proved that he can pitch consistently and, and pitch successfully consistently. Dolander, I like him. I think he's really talented. If I'm a GM, I don't take a guy like Dolander because he didn't prove immense success to me his junior year. Yes, he was available. Yes, he pitched every week. But like that's not necessarily the guy that that I'm taking. I think the Guardians do a really good job of grabbing those guys. A Doug Nikhazy out of Ole Miss, a Parker Messick out of Florida State. I think those are the kind of guys. If I have the chance to go grab one of the more successful pitchers in college baseball by strikeout to walk rate or by ERA or by whip, I'm going to go do that in the third or fourth round. I'm almost always taking a bat in the first round, and I will take successful college arms after that. And you can go upside in the third round too. You know what I'm saying? Like you can balance that. You could go successful college arm like a time add and in the second round, but then you could also swing for the fences with a Ricky Tiedemann in the third and, and, you know, go both ways. Ricky Tiedemann was a third round pick out of Juco golden West college. And they didn't have to go over slot to get him. He got pretty much right at the slot value. And that's arguably the best left-handed pitching prospect in baseball. When healthy, he, it's, yeah. I think he's better than Harrison. So, and, and another one like Carson Wisenhunt, second round pick Robbie Snelling comp pick 39th overall Noah Schultz late first and instantly is becoming one of the best pitching prospects in baseball, Jordan Wicks, first round pick, but that was that like college arm that was really solid. Jake Eater with the Marlins, fourth round pick. So I, I think that's that's the approach I'd take too. Unless you have this Paul Skeens type of talent, which I think you can buck your trend and, mm-hmm. and stray from, from your system. I personally would have that same approach. I'd be going college arms or swinging for the fences in the middle rounds and grab the six nine high schooler in Noah Schultz. Exactly, exactly. You know, there you can make your exceptions to the rule if you really, really like guys. But generally speaking, I, I, if I need an arm, I'm not just taking one in the first because I need an arm. I think yeah. that the, you can go find that guy in the third or fourth round or second round. And every single year now we see it because pitching is so volatile that guys flame out in the first round. But on the on the, on the flip side, there's every single draft is going to have so many dudes from the second through the seventh round or beyond that end up being top prospects because there's just so many guys that throw gas nowadays. There's so much to unlock and there's so many things that we can maximize from dudes arsenals. So I'd rather play the percentages and in both ways, 
play the percentages by taking multiple guys in later rounds and play the percentages by not taking an arm in the first round unless it's just a slam dunk or a guy that just falls into your lap like a Jordan Wicks where you're like, oh, this fits our fits our bill and, you know, we can't really pass on this guy here. Yeah, of course, you might you may end up passing on some arms that end up being really good and that's fine. But I, I okay. think overall, you play it that way. Odds are going to skew into your favor. Yeah. And my exceptions to the rule are honestly going to look like Sid Finch. Like they're going to look like, you know, 120 miles an hour. Like you, you dream on these crazy stories. Um, but dude, I mean, I'm looking at 2021 right now. Like Lighter went second. Job went third. Mazzucato went seventh. Bachman went ninth. Kumar Rocker went 10th. The hit rate on those is not very good. Like Job looks solid. He was hurt. Mazzucato looks okay. He's been hurt a little bit. Painter at 13. Like, it's it's just so ridiculously hit or miss. And I'm looking at 18 and 19 now that's stacked. Michael McGreevy, 18, Gunnar oh, Hogland, 19. It's just, like, are they first round pitchers? No, but they are. It's it's that's bizarre. Thing. You could, you could find a McGreevy adjacent in the second or third round. In the fifth round, dude. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I, what, what is McGreevy? And I know we, we talk about like the clouding around Wizenhunt, but again, I I take those chances. What does McGreevy do better than Carson Wizenhunt? Like, and we knew that before, though, even I, I feel like. Yeah. I, it's just one of those that I think the philosophy on pitchers, certain organizations are still slow on this and others are not. And again, the Dodgers buck their trend sometimes when they see a Bobby Miller or they see you know, Maddox Bruns is a special talent and they really liked him. But, you know, it doesn't always work when you buck your trend as well. Here's you one. Know, I've looked at Ben Brown again, and he looked yeah. a lot better this time around. Uh, yeah. Any, anything you want to share as I pull up, you know, kind of the data from that start? You know, what did you think of Ben Brown this time around? Yeah, I went into it. Um, so he has dominated the Indianapolis Indians twice now, like in his last two appearances against Indy. Brown was really struggling since the Indians last saw him um, because I think he probably lost the feel for that slider. And you're if you're a one pitch pitcher and that pitch is your fastball in AAA, you're going to get burned bad. And he was getting burned really bad. He had the slider again. Like if if he has those two pitches, it's great because the fastball can dominate hitters that he is superior to. And when he does have the slider to create just that little bit of indecision, uh, I think he's cooking with gas. He was filling the strike zone. That is the most underrated thing. And there are outings where control, not command, control can get away from Ben Brown. When I've seen a good Ben Brown, command is there controls obviously there but command is there and he was dotting his fastball we talked about it on the just baseball show yesterday it's like the best version of strider too when strider is putting that fastball anywhere he wants he can get outs at will with two and a half pitches ben brown at the triple a level i don't know about the big league level can get outs at will if he's dotting that fastball and he's got the slider he had both of those five innings a hit no walks nine k's yeah and the Cubs prospect averaged 95 with it and was up to, to 97. But yeah, I think the most impressive thing is, is the no walks, nine K's, the feel for the breaking ball. And I mean, this guy, if it all clicks for him, he can be really, really good. And, and this is the interesting thing is, so we get excited about the guys that get fast tracked and we're like, Ooh, maybe we should, we should, uh, you know, get this guy pushed up on the list more, but Let's talk like Ben Brown versus AJ Smith Schauber. 
let's let's throw age aside because obviously Smith Smith Chopper is going to be the better prospect because he's younger. But yeah. in terms of just like who they are as pitching prospects and their resume, blind resume, we put age aside. Would you rather have a guy that's like working through things in Triple A or like how how much does it really help that he went up to the big league, struggled, and came back down? Like that's the interesting it side doesn't. of it too. I kind of like watching Brown get shelled and then come back and pitch really well. And then, you know, continue to try to build off of that and see how he handles the adversity. And instead of seeing a prospect get ragdolled back and forth, like I feel like it's really hard to to value Gavin Stone at this point. Like where do you peg this guy? If he stayed in triple and continued to dominate and then had a couple bad starts and then looked really good, people would probably be holding him in a higher regard, but that they get fast tracked to the big leagues, get shelled. And then we drop them a little bit. And it's like, well, usually these guys wouldn't even get a chance in the big league. So that's the other side of it too, is I don't know if we should knock these guys for not being able to rise to the occasion of which most pitching prospects did not have to rise to before them. So I appreciate the argument of, of placing greater stock in, in big leaguers, like guys that have their big league debut under their belt, but it's just so ridiculously situational if Ben Brown was in Atlanta Brave, I guarantee you he would have made five big league starts by now. And would have struggled. <laughs> and would have struggled. It yeah. would have been the shoot. Instead of Schuster, Dodd, Smith, Schaffer, it would have been Schuster, Dodd, Ben Brown. And like Ben, Dodd wasn't ready to make his big league debut. Schuster probably wasn't ready to make his big league debut. And Smith, Schaffer definitely wasn't ready to make his big league debut. Brown may. I'd say Schuster, Brown, Dodd, Smith, Schauver. That's the way I would stack those four in terms of big league readiness. So it's situational. The Cubs haven't needed Ben Brown because they had Wesneski in the rotation to start and because they can fill it, you know, with, with veteran guys like a Drew Smiley. They went and got that guy. Braves don't have a Drew Smiley to turn to. They might get one at the deadline. We shall see. But. I, I don't know, man. I I place more stock in a guy that has come out of the other side of adversity. Yeah. And that's exactly what Brown has done. I watched Quinn Priester do that in real time. I saw that guy suck and then not suck. Yeah. Um, and I think that is the biggest thing about pitching in the minor leagues, hitting in the minor leagues, too. We talk about it all the time. Push these guys to the level where they become uncomfortable where they have to deal with adversity as a player, maybe for the first time in their entire life. Yep. That's what the Brewers did with Jackson Chorio. And I love that they did that. Chorio's not OPSing 950 this year because he's playing at the level that he's uncomfortable at. And I guarantee yep. you this year in double A is so much better for him than if he had a 1050 OPS in high A. And I think we're finally seeing, you know, I think it was with pitchers. They did it a little bit more by pushing them now. And now I think we're seeing hitters, get pushed quicker too and be challenged. And by the way, Chorio has been going nuts lately, like nuts. He's definitely settling in, uh, which is nice to see. Uh, Jackson Merrill also backside homer for his first in, in uh double a, he looks really yeah. good. I want to fly through some pitchers who have stood out lately. And this is where it's tough because I think there's so many guys that are right on the brink of top 100. And now it's so hard because there's so many guys in that tier. And then again, when I'm trying to make these, this list, the guys that, you know, I think are, probably going to be top 100 guys end up pretty much graduating really quickly. But Isaac coffee with the Red Sox, he has been awesome. I don't know how much you've, if you've checked in on him at all, 10th round pick in 2022 funky delivery. He carved through high a struck out 12 and a half per nine, only walked one and a half and had a two, eight, three ERA since then got promoted to triple a he's thrown 
five, he's had five starts, 23 innings, and, and has been lights out again. The strikeout rates actually jumped to 12.7. Walk rate has also jumped, but you know, I think that's kind of just from a little bit of of trusting the stuff at an upper level as as a guy that's you know really in his first full pro season here. And his last start, going back and watching that, it, it was it was pretty impressive to to see what he has been able to do and um see this guy kind of work with not the best velocity in the world. He went five innings of four hit ball, one walk, no runs, 10 Ks, which is really impressive because dude, this guy's really operating at 88, 89, 90. But again, it's a funky release point. It's interesting stuff. And he's been just getting outs. It's it's fun to see. Again, but when it comes to the stuff, you're not going to see a guy like this ranked in the in the top you know, 100. But at what point do you start taking the numbers seriously? Um, probably at the end of this year, just looking at like what this guy has done this year, it feels very Caleb Killian in 2021. Yeah. yeah. Killian was not a guy that anybody was taking serious. He was concretely the second piece in that Chris Bryant deadline deal with Canario. Uh, understandably. So Canario is still the headliner Canario 37 pumps last year, but Killian at the end of the 2021 season led minor league baseball and strikeout to walk rate. And I think that's when people started to look at Killian as a future big league starter. And I think that's when Cubs people started to hold Killian in a higher regard. So when a guy does not, and listen, Killian was up to 100 yesterday, like 99.4 or whatever, 99.5. I don't know how he's not better. I have no idea. No idea. Because he's got the slider. He's got the curveball. He can mix in a changeup, I think. And, and he's high 90s. I don't get it with Killian. So... I don't know. I, I think with a guy like that, because Killian was not 99 at that point. Killian was like 93 to 94 yeah. at that point. Um, I, I think probably end of this year is when, you know, you you take a breath, you assess, and it's like, oh, this guy could actually be kind of a feature piece moving forward. Yeah. And it's just a funky delivery, like three quarters release. Everything runs in different directions. And I think he could just be one of those exceptions that is just funky enough with a fastball cutter curve change and a slider. Like he just mixes in all these different pitches. It's, it's Javier Assad ask. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think with, with a little bit better stuff and, you know, a, a, just a really good field of pitch. So coffee's a name to watch a couple more real quick. Ben Kuderna, uh, mm-hmm. you know, our, our, our guy, uh, Jared Perkins, who hosts a really awesome show. We talk about beyond or behind the seams, really good interviews with a lot of different big leaguers, minor leaguers about just kind of life, beyond baseball he's a big Royals guy and he's been all over Ben Kuderna and Kuderna turned in a really good start yesterday at high a and he looks good man six innings three hits no runs two walks six k's Kuderna I love Mazzucato and and Jared was trying to make the case that you know Kuderna might be the best arm in this system and honestly the way that he's been throwing lately it's not it's not a crazy take Fastball has been ticking up closer to more 94s, 95s. The slider has been phenomenal. He's been locating it consistently, and it's playing like a plus pitch. And then the changeup's really good. So you got a legit three-pitch mix here, 20-year-old, high A for the Royals. Again, I keep mentioning it on the podcast, Jack, and I think you're seeing it in the AAA level even as well. The Royals are are changing the the narrative on their yeah. pitching development. I really do believe that. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, I, And – Anthony Veneziano is probably the best example of that. 
where Veneziano immediately ticks up with with the new pitching regime that's in too. So I I can appreciate that. And I know that you were really high on on Kuderna on Kuderna as well. So um no, that that's certainly a guy to watch. Another guy that jumps out to me is Thomas Harrington with the Pirates. Harrington has been throwing really well as of late. Um Cade Povich has been pretty awesome. I know a former friend of the program uh, as well. Povich in July. 24 punch outs, five walks in 16 innings. Ooh. So Povich has been good. Um, the Yankees are good, man. Like all these Yankees arms right now, Chase Hampton, Drew Thorpe. Uh, I think there's another guy in Hudson Valley uh, as well. But no, I, I think those are the two that jumped out to me, Thomas Harrington and Cade Povich. Povich has been awesome. And I think that's a guy that you know, that's probably one of their most untouchable prospects, which sounds so backwards, but because he's, I think he's their best arm at this point. And you have, all of these offensive prospects, Povich is the one guy if teams are calling him like, no. Uh, and he's really kind of taking the command to another level. That cutterish slider that he throws, 70% strike rate over his last seven starts. Fastball gets so much whiff because of his lefty deception. This dude might end up being a rotation piece for them sooner rather than later. I hope they call him up to triple relatively soon because – it seems like he doesn't have much else to prove in double. And it's funny. This is a guy that honestly is going to have a nice body of work, uh, yeah. a rare example of a dude that'll have a good body of work out of college. And uh, a guy that I think, you know, you'll see on a lot more top 100 lists pretty soon because of the body of, the, of work, because of the success. Uh, and I think the stuff beneath the hood data wise is better than you'd think with, you know, just what shows on the big screen on the radar gun. You know, it's 92 yeah. with fastball, but 27% in zone whiff. Uh, cool. the cutter, is a whiff machine. The curveball is a whiff machine. The changeup continues to get better. That's definitely a fun interview, by the way, too. And I think there's more velocity in there as well. He talked about that. Povich is probably a top 100 candidate as well. Really? How about Mason Black in San Francisco to wrap? Yeah, let's wrap with Black. He has been awesome. Absolutely awesome. In July. Yeah. Have you seen him live? No. I haven't haven't seen him on the Cape. And on the Cape, there was just some some jump to his fastball that I always it was one of those. I mean, the way it's set up in Brewster, as you know, like it's it's pretty close to the to home plate, but you could just really hear the whiz and the pop of the glove. And and it doesn't surprise me that you see 32 percent in zone whiff on his fastball. It just jumps. It gets on you quick. And then he's got the cutter and then he's got the sinker and then he's got the slider and he just mixes all of the looks so well. Black is is. Another development example, I think, for the Giants. And finally, because, you know, they, they didn't have much success with the Will Bednars of the world, but they end up salvaging with with a Mason Black. We've seen what Wisenhunt can do. We've seen some of these other guys, but it was a little bit of a command question at first. You know, he was he was struggling to consistently locate. And over the last 10 starts or so, he has been locating. Uh, Black looks like he could be a, a big league starter. And he's been succeeding in AAA through the first two starts. Yep. Four starts in July, two in Richmond, two in Sacramento, 19 innings, 31 punch outs, seven walks. Yeah, that'll play. That'll That'll play. play. So we will have a lot more for you next week. Just kind of wanted to have this pitching prospect stream of consciousness with you all. And if you have any thoughts, feel free to hit them in the in the YouTube comments, tweet at us, let us know what you think about the state of pitching prospects in baseball uh, and, and what your thoughts were on kind of our conversation. Jack, any final thoughts as we go into the weekend? I'm waiting for the comment better than it's ever been. You guys are imbeciles. Uh, start watching pitching for once, idiots. Yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. But no, it's, you know, look at the lists. You know, the lists are interesting. So thank you as always for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you next week.